Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this is one of our deep dive episodes. We're going to dive deep into fun and imagination in Star Wars. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck, and I've been imagining, imagining Star Wars since I was a wee little boy. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun uh, to talk about this. We love doing the deep dives here on Force Center. We love that you join us on those adventures 
And we want to remind you, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And we like to always recommend an audiobook that we think you should try out on us. And, uh, Joseph, this one's a whip bang zoom adventure book. <laughs> whip bang and zoom three things that all do happen in this book we are recommending poe dameron freefall by alex segura uh it occurred to me as i was writing up these notes because i had just rewatched rise of skywalker and it was the first time i'd rewatched rise of skywalker since i read this book and it was fun to just have all of those ideas present in my mind as i watched Rise of Skywalker. So if you would like to check it out, you can download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. Let young Poe Dameron free fall into your heart. <laughs> As you should. As you should. Uh, yeah, so our topic today is kind of a different one, Ken. You know, sometimes we do a deep dive into a scene or a specific topic or idea in Star Wars and this one is a little bit about how we react to Star Wars and 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 maybe um, how uh, ideas spin off uh, from Star Wars and maybe why certain creators want to create the Star Wars they want to create. That's a part of the reason it was on my mind. But we're going to discuss imagining Star Wars, uh, the times where you're not actively watching it or listening to it or reading it, and it still fires your imagination and your mind wanders off and you ask a kind of what if about a character or a place and you dream up little adventures or moments that you might like to see someday, uh, usually in Star Wars itself, but maybe it's you start thinking about something in Star Wars and you start thinking up a totally different story that you'd like to tell someday. And this idea, like I was saying, really came to mind uh, because I think there's such a sense of play in The Mandalorian. It, there is in lots of other Star Wars, but that's the one we're watching right now. That's the one we're discussing. Uh, but there's just this big sense of the action figure of it all, like we've talked about a lot, but just... You know, the picking up of a, a Jawa in an Ugnaught as action figures and going, uh, what is the deal with these guys? You know, what do they do for fun? Uh, what are their adventures? Do they like their jobs? What's their culture? Uh, and really spinning off a story from that point, that point of I got this little bit of Star Wars right in my hand. And where does my imagination take me from there? So we're going to start with action figures, but we're going to go lots of different uh, places. But starting with action figures, Ken. Did you dream in Imagine when you were a, a wee Ken Napsok playing with your action figures? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is the power of uh, the, the inherent uh, marketing of Kenner. You got to take <laughs> Star Wars home with you from the shelf at your local toy store into your hands. And for me, um, not only, you know, G.I. Joe figures and He-Man figures, all those kind of things. And I love playing with them. But I always included the... Uh, a narrative. I had a whole love triangle thing going on with uh, Zorana, Baroness, and Destro with my GHO <laughs> thing. It was a thing. Was a thing. Uh, but with Star Wars, what really got me really just fired up with my imagination and the figures is I would go take them places. I would, uh, I, I, for that period of time in my life, up to when, about my sixth grade year, we lived in a, in a house with like three backyard situation. It, it was, um, it was really cool. And there were some pine trees. And so that's Endor, you know, and I would take the figures and I had a couple of Ewoks and I would, and I would take them to Endor and I would continue the adventures of what happened on Endor. I uh, lived uh, by a beach, Pismo beach, California. That's where I grew up. Sand dunes. You could go play with. I would take the figures there, dig into the sand dunes themselves and make little sand caves and continue the adventures of uh, all my heroes on Tatooine. 
So that's really, I just loved that. That was favorite part of being a kid and having those toys. That's so great the way you're really viscerally describing this idea of taking these little symbols of a fantasy world, of a fantasy galaxy far, far away, and kind of making them a, a literal part of your your physical environment of like, I got to return the Ewoks to the trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't think, I'm trying to remember, uh, I don't know if I took, I don't know if I took the Ewoks to, to the beach. <laughs> yeah that's a really interesting thing too of like how much do we try to keep the uh the figures when we're when we're kids and you know we're not on a conscious level giving it super deep thought of like yeah. the ewoks don't belong on tatooine what would happen to them <laughs> that's not right it's not right they belong here among us among the trees of my backyard yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's all great stuff yeah i i, I imagined a lot with my action figures. I processed a, a lot with my action figures. You know, I think I've told stories before about, uh, you know, working through literal life and death because I had this Ben Kenobi action figure, but I also knew that he wasn't, you know, uh, really alive anymore. And how does that all work? Uh, I, you know, when in, in the period between Empire and Jedi, when, you know, Han was carbon frozen, uh, you know, I, I had a my cloud car pilot hit on Leia and didn't go anywhere for the cloud car pilot because I right. <laughs> I thought Leia was was right. really with Han. But, you know, I was working through some stuff, telling some other stories. Um, you know, I fixed plot holes like I, my mind would never as a child would never, ever have said fixed plot holes. I didn't know any right. of those things, but I had a Greedo action figure that I really liked. Um, it was a thing that really stuck with me, just the adventure of finding it. Cause you know, I, I would check the toy aisles. There's one time I went to like a Sears with my dad and uh, I don't think there was anything that uh, I, I must've had the action figures. They must've been all sold out in the toy aisle or maybe my dad didn't even take me to the toy aisle. I just remember going to the hardware section with my dad cause he needed some tools Mm-hmm. And Greedo was there for some reason where he wasn't supposed to be. And I was like, oh, Greedo. And like, that's how I got Greedo. And that's a really strong, like to this day, yeah. I'm sometimes like, you never know. Somebody might've picked up an action figure and, and put it down in the lingerie. I got to check because they're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there might be a Constable Zuvio in the lingerie. I got to check. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then I was kind of consternated because I knew and again, this was a time where I, you know, I was just going on my memory and what was in the in my storybooks uh, because I couldn't see it again and again. Uh, it, but I knew, like, but but Han shot Greedo, but like, I kind of want to continue his story. And like later that day, you know, my dad was watching a western on Saturday afternoon television, mm-hmm. and like a character, you know, got shot and then uh, got up, and it's like, wait, how did that happen? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And my dad was like, well, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, it, it's because I think it was like, I don't know. He's like, John Wayne just winged that guy. And I was like, winged? What does winged mean? It's like, oh, you know, you, you get shot and it's real bad and you shouldn't get shot. But, you know, it just it just hit him in the in the shoulder. So he's fine. <laughs> so for years, I was like, Han just winged Greedo. <laughs> Which having access to the film now. No, no. no. Uh, flames and fumes and oh, no. Uh, but that was like my whole thing of like, okay, now I can imagine that, you know, what does Greedo do as he goes on, you know? Mm. Um, and I think for, for, as a kid, you know, I didn't, uh, my brother always pushed us that we couldn't just have the characters fight that we needed to have a narrative. So more often than not, our narrative would be the heroes are on a cliff planet. So they're up on the dresser and then, you know, uh, or actually they're down in the valley and up on the cliffs are the bounty hunters and they get surprised. And like, so we, we would play out actual stories. 
But I think part of the imagination is just building the bonds with those characters because, you know, Bosk was there for a fleeting second, but I loved that action figure and I looked at him and I thought about him and I imagined, you know, um, and, and maybe the imagination wasn't, the stories weren't even fully formed, but this character looms so large in my imagination of what else could he be? Even if I didn't have the answers, that question was there of what else could he do? What else could he be, you know, and in my stories, you know, he bickered with uh, Boba Fett and he took pot shots at Luke Skywalker down in the valley with, you know, a rubber band uh, for blaster fire and things like that. So I think there's just like a ton of just the the when you didn't have as much access to the show, but you did have these little symbols, your mind could just wander. Yeah, there's something to that. We've talked often. It's, it's no great insight for me here of just the the Kenner line needing to expand what they were offering and, and, and the celebration of the walrus mans and, 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 uh, you know, prune faces of, of the galaxy <laughs> really put that focus on that split second, uh, of someone you saw and, and what they could be and, and what their own story was a little less, you know, collecting GI Joe figures. Yeah. yeah you're going to get your generic Cobra figure, your Cobra, uh, you know, soldier, your Cobra Viper, all those kind of things. But the good guys didn't really have that, even though on the shows or the comic books, there was the regular old Joes you never saw and they never really had names. You didn't celebrate that. There wasn't the, that mechanic you talked to for two seconds on an episode of GI Joe now has his own figure, you know? <laughs> uh, so Star Wars, that's part of the the success of it. But yeah, exactly what you're saying where I had, I think I had Low Gray and Wicket as a Ewok set, maybe. I definitely had Low Gray. And it's like, well, those are my Ewoks. And so that's my adventures. The Medicine Man and Wicket go off on something you know, <laughs> they had, but it made me wonder what they could what they could do and what they could be. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any other uh specific uh, like stories or even questions, any other specific memories of things you imagined uh through Star Wars action figures? Yeah, uh, well, honestly, no, I go to a lot of what I just played in my backyard by myself. I was a lonely kid. <laughs> and I mentioned I always talk about on the playground. That's pretty powerful for me because of my school had a just a piece, a monstrosity of wood and metal and nails and splinters that we should not have been on as a generation. <laughs> but it looked like a skiff. And so we just naturally, we every day reenact the Tatooine, uh, you know, Sarlacc pit scene. But I would uh, at home by myself at a treehouse that kind of looked like the cannons on Hoth, but also could double as a uh, Adat Walker uh, cockpit, so to speak. At a tree that kind of <laughs> doubled as a, as a smaller walker for me, an ATSD. I had uh, palm trees that were kind of coming out at an angle, and that was my speeder bikes. And just kind of, you know, uh, just reliving it and just kind of, going back and maybe going into the fight, the other side of the fight. Oh, we saw this part of the battle of Endor, but here I am over on the other side. Right. Or here on Hoth. Um, so that was not with the figures with the figures. Yeah. I had, I had that Y wing I always talk about. And so, yeah, it was, it went on many bombing runs over Endor. I don't know why, but it did. <laughs> I, <laughs> well, this makes sense that, you know, you, uh, you know, we talk about Star Wars a lot, but you're, you are always a big fan of the conflict between the uh, rebels and the empire. And that sounds like what you imagined. I love the picture of little Ken Nabsock in his treehouse ATSD going fire on those Ewoks there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I love the Ewoks. Yeah, I, I, I was I was affected by Nanta's death. So yeah, it, it is. Uh, it was. But again, I would say to the Empire as the cooler toys in general. Same with Cobra. I think in Jango. I don't know why we got it. We got to reverse that narrative. We give give the give the good team some cool toys too, and they do. I'm looking at a Lego U wing I have right now that I love. Um, but yeah, it was like 
yeah, let me get in that walker. Yeah. <laughs> let me go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, I could go on and on, so I won't. But just like two other memories that are like formative for me of like uh, we, we finally were going to get like our parents said we're going to go to I think where we were living there. I think it was a children's palace, you know, big toy store. And we set aside some money and you can get uh, some Star Trek action figures. And mm-hmm. my brother and I, who's, my brother's three years older than me, we were playing with our Star Wars figures. And I had Luke uh, say to Han, I think if we just had two more people join the rebellion, we could beat the Empire. And my brother's like, what, what, what are you talking about? It's like, well, we're going to get those action figures tomorrow. And he's like, no, you can't say it that way. It's just too blatant. It's too obvious. Like, <laughs> we had no idea what the word exposition means. But like, even with my action figures, m- my brother was giving me grief about too blatant of exposition <laughs> in my imagination. Mm. Mm. Uh and then the other memory that I have that I think like tracks begins to really track through of like how, what kind of stories do you tell? How do you like to tell them is after return of the Jedi, you know, I was such a Luke guy when we'd be playing action figures together, I would just try to have Luke do everything. Like my brother would try to set up a scenario where like the bridge fell between our two dressers and how are they going to get across? And like Luke levitates them all. <laughs> yep. And my brother would get really frustrated by that. He's like, because if Luke's so much powerful than everybody else, he can just do everything. <laughs> which is like still a storytelling thing that goes on with the Jedi of like, how do you limit them? So they're yeah. not just unbeatable. <laughs> you mentioned this thing about, you, you know, you, you need two more people to join the rebellion. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Cause that, that obviously ties to uh, uh, supply and demand with, with your figures. I have a specific memory of going to a store in my hometown called uh, JJ Newberry it was like a thrifty light and was right next to thrifty uh, in, in my uh, hometown uh, both gone, I think, or maybe, maybe well, thrifties are right. Aid now remember the old days, kid of thrifties. So there was a bin and this had, this was after Jedi, maybe the power of the force line era with the, the coins and everything, but there was a big bin that I, I could probably now see was discount. Right. But as a yeah. kid, it is a bin almost as tall as me of star Wars figures. And my mom said the, the magic uh, sentence, Joseph, you can get one, <laughs> one, one. And I remember standing in front of that and I, I had, you know, you weigh, what do you have versus what do you need for your stories? As yes. A yes. And I had R2-D2 in my hand and a Gamorrean guard. And I've said before in the show, I've never really ended up, as I do love R2 and 3PO and I really do. I don't have a lot of their figures, Funkos, everything. I don't know why I have a droid issue like Obi-Wan. I got to work on. Um, <laughs> So I had, and I was literally, it was damned if you do, damned if you don't, or as I would say then, darned if you do, darned if you don't. And I chose the Gamorrean guard because I felt I needed him to tell whatever stories I was creating. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I never got an R2. I never got a classic Ken R2. Yeah. And like, I think that's a thing that we did at some point when we didn't have, like, I just had a stormtrooper and like those early Kenner figures, uh, we were, we were playing and, and Chewie accidentally knocked Darth Vader's head all the way off. So we didn't have a Darth Vader for a little yeah. while. And like, I think we just had a stormtrooper and I think we came up with like, well, maybe, uh, one of them gets possessed. So the heroes are actually fighting each other. And like, that was a, a kind of imagination we had to have because we didn't have the right balance in the figures for the storytelling. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the true balance they're always talking about. Yeah, the true balance. Yeah. And I love that story of like uh Gamorian Guard or R2D2, but I need the Gamorian Guard for for my fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good good selection. Do you still get any of that spark of imagination just from 
looking at action figures on your shelves. Like I know you're not as huge of a collector, but I know you you do have them and maybe action figures or Funko Pops. Whatever it is that's sitting on on your shelf as an adult collector, do they fire your imagination or are they more just like uh, in appreciation of the thing they represent? It has it has morphed into that appreciation, which is kind of a bummer. But also, every once in a while, I could pick up a uh, you know an MG one hundred Star Fortress and just kind of float it in space in front of me and make a little space sound. <laughs> you know, uh, I absolutely can do that. I've I've joked often about I could every time I get on a freeway, particularly if it's like a late night, I'll pretend I'm in a in a Y wing launching on a mission, including. Mm-hmm sound and communication uh and and the opposing cars are either my allies or tie fighters that i shoot down so it's there it exists but it just it is uh, you know it is the way of life it is the way of getting a little older just it fire it doesn't necessarily fire my my imagination in the same way like i'm gonna go play um but like it is the appreciation i just to, to stop and look at what they what they represent uh which is what i i say uh i i do say now this is they're kind of uh, art pieces in a way they represent who I am, not just that I love Star Wars, but what do I specifically love about Star Wars or who do I love within the Star Wars story? Um, that's, that's where they are right now on my shelves. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense that I think I react the same way. I mean, they're definitely just like little symbols of the thing that I love. And when a new character pops in and I really want an action figure, it's because I like that character. And I think when I look at them and my imagination gets fired, it's because I'm thinking about the core of who that character is. Um, mm-hmm. I've got that Last Jedi, uh, Luke Skywalker, just the the standard three and three quarter from that Last Jedi line right by my computer. I've also got, you know, Obi-Wan and, and Yoda and Rey. So I got, I got lots of uh, a little a little Jedi council there uh, by my computer. But Luke's right by my mm-hmm. coffee cup. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of just that spirit of grumpy, but let's go. Cause that's where I sit down in the morning. That's where I drink my coffee. That's like what, what I got to deal with today. <laughs> and Luke's right there being a little grumpy with me, but also like that. Okay. You know, how, how are we going to figure this out? And you know, I don't mean, it's not like a motivational poster. It's not like every day is easy. Cause I look down at Luke and I come up with a creative solution, but right. you know, there've been days where I, I have just looked at him and kind of laughed and kind of centered myself. Cause it, it is that reminder of what does this character represent? Of like, well, you know, not everything's perfect, but try your best. Try to come up with something creative. Try to be kind. And, and I do get those ideas. Um, every once in a while, my imagination is fired by uh, the action figures a little bit more to imagine Star Wars. Like um, I've got a little uh, display on what used to be my main podcast area, but now it has become consumed by action figures <laughs> that I have to move every time I podcast. And one of them is that lone Knight of Ren uh, that they put out in the vintage line, three and three quarter. Uh, it's the specific night. It's just called Knight of Ren as an action figure, but the actual character is Aplac. Uh, you've got the Mandalorian Executioner's axe. And sometimes I just look at him by himself and that fires my imagination off. Like when I was a kid, I was just like, what if Aplac just got lost? <laughs> yeah. And he's separated yeah. from all the other Knights of Ren and just like, and, and, you know, people don't even call him by his name. He's just a Knight of Ren. And I think about it a little bit like, what would that adventure be? You know, uh, Knight of, of Ren alone in the world is a dangerous thing. <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah i can't say that it's exactly the same as when i'm a kid but i think you know especially when i allow it they still do spark that uh sense of imagination and fun uh would you ever consider playing with your action figures or or toys as an adult and i know you said every once in a while you make them swoop around uh is that something that you're tempted to do and if not what 
what other forms of play are, are similar that you do as an adult? Um, well, first of all, I don't, you know, I don't have any children, but, uh, if, if there's ever, uh, you know, a, a need to have children, it would be to ex- excuse to play with Star Wars action figures again, right? <laughs> and, like, or get a good babysitting gig. Um, I have light, I have lightsabers around the house and I, you, you cannot, uh, stop me from grabbing a lightsaber and we are all lightsaber kid. I, I wrote about that and I believe that. And I, um, I, I, you know, I, I am someone who in my early days working graveyard shift, uh, you know, retail security guarding an empty, uh, you know, 12 acre mall, whatever the hell it was pulling my, my three cell battery out. And that was a blaster. You know, uh, again, the joke about, you know, I get on a freeway. I think I'm in a Y wing um, that that never goes away. And I, I don't want that ever to go away. I never and I always have a lightsaber in every office that I've had, including when I was a security director or a producer at Screen Junkies or whatever the hell I was at Collider. I have a lightsaber there and I still have my same and I'm staring at it right now. My same never changed the batteries. Uh, Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber that was released in 95, 96, that Power of the Force 2 line. Still have that. And that's gone with me in every office just because I want it there. I want to feel it. I want to connect to that part of me and that nothing that I'm doing will take me too far away of who I was, if that makes sense. And I, and I, and I, and that's something that's conscious. It's, it's, I, I love having them around. That's really great to, yeah, to just stay connected to what it meant to you when you were a kid, even in a very adult place, you know, your office is, that's really cool. Um, Yes, I think there's so many great examples. Uh, I do every once in a while. I do not, you know, as much as maybe I would like to make time for it, pick up the action figures and create a narrative (laughs) Uh, and have Ray fight the Knight of Ren, partially because it's not a fair fight because Knight of Ren is still in the package, which is cruel. Um, Oh, did you hear that, Joseph? That's the actual sound. Sorry. Oh, yeah, please ignite that again. I think the battery is starting to go, though. Oh yeah, but it's it's fighting. It's fighting to stay all lit up. <laughs> <laughs> that's the time one. Sorry. I no, have, that's great. It's right in the corner, and I look. I love all the expensive ones. Uh, our listener, first rate Nate, is uh, generously gifted uh, Grace and I some sabers that are awesome. You have the one at uh, from Galaxy's Edge that is just impressive. This one from 1995, hard plastic in my hand is 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 the one I just love. I love just having. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I've got the uh, nice one from Galaxy's Edge. I don't have a display for it yet, uh, but so it's still in its great case that they give you that's got that kind of a traditional lightsaber symbol on it. But right mm-hmm. next to it, just ready to be picked up and waved around, which does happen, is this lightsaber knockoff that I bought at Hollywood Bowl for the John Williams concert. And that's the one that's, it's, you know, cheap. I, I don't think it even makes noise, but it just lights up. Uh, and it, I, I love uh, everyone's while picking it up and whooshing it around. Uh, if I'm in the right mood and so many great memories attached to it, you know, that John Williams concert, so many clearly Star Wars fans in the audience. Uh, it took him a while before he played the Star Wars. And then so many people pulling out these uh, lightsabers and the other people who didn't quite realize <laughs> what they were in for, just looking shocked at everyone around them suddenly having a, a glowing stick was pretty great. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's there are definitely like ways as an adult that we still play with action figures. I think another way that I do is uh, I like taking photos of them, and I know a lot of people do too. Um, 
I've had I've had fun for like certain episodes of Mando of like I'm gonna pose him uh and now I've got the child out of the package so I'm gonna pose him and you know stand him next to a glass of whiskey and I think that's a kind of sense of play where we can connect more to the characters or ideas because we're kind of making them a part of our own creativity in this very specific little way uh yeah absolutely absolutely you talk about photos maybe think of our, our pal Brian Ward trying to type it up here on Instagram, but our uh, pal Brian Ward, a friend of the show and friend and uh, designer of uh, many of our logos here. Um, he, he does that too. He's got some great photos. If you follow him, follow him on Instagram as Brian uh, with an R Y underscore E underscore Ward. He's got some great photos with the figures that are just, that just, and, and every time I stop and look because it just, there's so much joy in, in doing that. And there's so much uh, just uh, who you are as a fan, just seeing the figure and capturing, uh, capturing the emotions of it. Yeah, the photo. Yeah, and imagine what other weird adventures uh, uh, could they be having? Because I think that's a part of it in my mind. Of like, it's not like I'm actually like I'm writing a spec script or yeah. fan fiction about a uh, Mandalorian on the in the planet of giant whiskey. But it, that sense that what else could he find out there? You know, is still alive in, in that kind of play that you know people like Brian Ward are so good at doing. Right. Um, you've been building Lego sets, and, and I know yeah. sometimes that's a a streaming thing. Where does your mind go when you're doing Lego? How does Lego tap into uh, that yeah. this kind of idea of uh, imagining Star Wars? Yeah, brick building with CAD people. Tune in most Sundays, Twitch and YouTube. Um, so it's been amazing. I it it was hard. First of all, it was hard. Uh, it was a little bit of like, what else can I do on Twitch other than games? And this will be fun. And I just had uh, since you know I've been a Lego collector since uh, I was a kid, eighty two range, whatever. Um, and Star Wars ones, when they kind of first showed up in 99, I just love them. And I've never really taken them out to build them. I, I hadn't built Legos in a long time. Uh, storage space, all those kind of kind of adult real world things. But I just, I love the package. I think the Lego package is so good. And and it little, it's going with some of the stuff you're talking about, that imagination of, yeah, I might, I'm like right now I'm holding in my hand here the uh, the instruction booklet for the Y-Wing set. And it's got, <laughs> it's got Rebel Triple, Gin, and Cassium and a pilot. And I don't sit there like want to go play with it and create my own adventures, but I just look at it and it's just full of action. And it's such an ode to this thing. I love the Y wing or these characters I love. And I love the Lego minifigs and having like, look, I got a Palpatine Lego minifig. Oh, I got to get this nest. And I have them. I don't have them on display right now. I have them in a baggie, three bags. Now I think of the Lego minifigs and it just, I don't know. It just represents my, my love of not just Lego, but my love of star Wars and it's like they are, I don't know, it's just, I just keep saying the term ode because that's what it inspires. I just, I'm, I've, as I build them, it's like you're taking the time to pay your respects to this particular vehicle. I like, and someone asked me in my last build, they're like, hey, what are your, you know, some of your favorite uh, Star Wars vehicles? And I was trying to answer it. And then I was like, well, you know what? I got to tell you, it's kind of what I'm building uh, because I, I don't just go out and buy every set that's presented, but I've built uh, three Y-Wings. And four snow speeders, and now the Ewing. It's like <laughs> that's what I love. You know, those are the ones I love. And so I see it on a shelf and go, I love the Y Wing. The Y Wing represents my youth because that was the Kenner toy I had. It represents what I love now. Plus, one of the Y Wings comes with Radis. The other one was Zori Bliss. Like, hey, we're speaking to me in many ways. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, they, they connect to in that way. It, it is it is an ode to the loves of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let me ask you if. Uh, if you were asked to, to create something in Star Wars, would you have an instinct to include a Y-Wing because it's an expression of what you love in Star Wars? I think so. I 
Yeah, I think I would like if if you know if I was writing Alphabet Squadron, I'd be like, so cool. Uh, can we just change it to the Y Squadron? <laughs> I love that. Um, y because there are five um, Y wings. Yeah, in Star Wars Squadrons, uh, you know, uh, a game I, I definitely like, but haven't spent as much time with as other people. You asked me what I love about the game. I'm like, oh, there was that one mission I got a bomb as a Y wing, and it. And it felt like me in front of my house in Arroyo Grande, California in about 1983 or 84, taking that Y-Wing on a bombing run. And it's that simple. It just connects to that, uh, not just the take me away to my youth so I don't have to face my problems now, but it just, it it connects me to an open-ended, unfiltered love for this franchise. Mm. Yeah, it it just, it recenters your love as a fan. Mm Mm-hmm. And what speaks to you, uh, like you could certainly articulate it and we could do, you know, a, a deep dive podcast of the uh, five subliminal reasons that Y-Wings speak to you. But also this is just you in the moment, enjoying it and, and recentering that joy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Even before jokey cynicism of your teens come in, uh, uh, you know, you know is that one line in Star Wars, it's kind of stupid or you start forming those questions uh, you and I talked uh, recently, you know, robot chicken feels like you're uh, on break at college uh, between classes. Talk, talk to your friend. Like, what do you think Lobot does when Lando's not around? Uh, you know, and I love those kind of moments. But I love going back to just the beginning of all where I didn't worry about poking fun or theories. I just worried about seeing something, reacting to it and, and, and continuing the adventures. It sounds wishy-washy or not wishy-washy, but it sounds uh, poetic uh, and, uh, you know, uh, my head in the clouds, but it's true. And that's what drives, I think uh, you, me, and a lot of folks just at the center of this. We love this thing. We, we, we're not paid by it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is, I think that's a really great point. And I think it's where, you know, the first step for any sort of uh, fun or imagination to, to, you know, flow from it is, is just recentering on the like, yeah, but I, I really love this thing. <laughs> I love it. And, and there's been, there's been things in my life that have, I've stopped loving as much, uh, even though I loved them with a bright, bright passions, uh, in the past. And, and I still love them, appreciate them in different ways. Um, uh, Star Wars, it's only grown. And I'm telling you, it, it is not because you and I have a show that we need to do every week. There are times when I uh, just am go. I mean, ask, ask Grace, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to target. Do not go to the toy aisle. I'm going to the toy aisle. Because I want to, I want to turn the corner and see something that makes me go, awesome, cool, Star Wars. Yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought about that recent experience of, you know, my wife is uh, fully on board at, at this point with the uh, the toy aisle being first at Target, and I was really trying to hold myself back when I saw this, uh, the uh, Galaxy's Edge Astromech uh, that you can kind of give its own name because it's just an Astromech, and different Astromechs come with different, uh, you know, uh, 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 parts uh in this one had a bar uh like like okay. r2 does like bar 2d2 does and my wife was really like D- do you want that and i was like i shouldn't i shouldn't but i got it because ultimately it there was room for imagination because it's not r2 with the serving cart it's a droid that i can make up whatever that droid's name is whatever that story is and what really put me over like yeah i gotta pick it up because you know maybe i could set it up next to obi-wan and he could have a cup there and could be like serving obi and i didn't even really realize that i was telling myself a story in order to buy that action figure yeah that's really cool and weird i hadn't thought about it that way and you got it right oh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i remember thinking there was adventures well, it happened recently, you know, um, 
you know, it's always smart to save, save your Republic credits and save it for a rainy day. And I want to spend so much money on toys, but, and then just running out of room, but I turned the corner, uh, you know, cause I hadn't been in a target, you know, with the lockdown and everything. And I started slowly going back, uh, to a local one here that I felt safe and secure going to. Uh, and I turned the corner and there was that, uh, throne room, return of the Jedi throne room Lego set. Oh boy. What a and temptation. Like, yeah. But, and, 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 and after about four trips, I got it and I built <laughs> it on my Twitch channel, but you know, and it makes and Grace is supportive too. She's a huge Star Wars fan, so make no mistake. But yeah, she's kind of like, no, come on, you know. And I'm staring at it, and it, it, it's like, what am I connecting to? I'm connecting to that scene and what it means to me, and how it makes me feel, and Luke coming out of the shadows, and 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 the choir singing, like all that stuff. It's running through my head while I'm staring at a cardboard box, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Even though I, even though I don't necessarily get down on my on my uh, floor and play with my figures anymore, really, it, I am in another way. Yeah, yeah, I very well said. Uh, um, I want to ask you about video games. You mentioned video games. Do you think mm-hmm. video games are a place where you know, as an adult, or I, I know, uh, I know some kids play with action figures. I'm not a parent, but I've you know heard from other parents like, yeah, it's not the same as you know uh, back in the day when when we didn't have uh, YouTube, YouTube or an iPad or a hundred channels so we we did probably play with them differently so i'm curious about the things that open up that same sense of i just i saw this a little bit in the movies but let me explore it more do do video games do that for you do they fire your star wars imagination they do and it changes it's almost not fair to the games itself like i you and i love battlefront and i've loved all versions of battlefront i really have because they are sort of nameless characters that were taken out on the field of, of play, a field of war, and you just kind of, you're not, you know, it, it's not Luke. The Luke shows up, and Han- Anakin shows up and usually cuts me in two in two seconds. But <laughs> I can just get lost in that. But I love, I love the story of Aiden Versio. Aiden's one of my favorite characters, and I think that story's so great. And I, I, I just sometimes go back and secretly, don't tell anybody, I play that story in easy mode so I can get through it. Uh, and just because I want to live that story again. But then other, uh, the Fallen Order story is great, but I didn't connect with the game as much. Um, the characters are great. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't connect to the game as much. Squadrons, love what's there. I need to spend more time with it. I, it's not that I didn't connect to the story. Really interesting characters. It didn't hit me like the way the Battlefront 2 stories. So it's unfair to the games themselves. But I found over time, over the years, I didn't play all the games. But going back to, uh, I mean, I love Force Unleashed very specific but it was also a different time in my life i wasn't watching star wars as much what was that mid mid to late 2000s that game came yeah. out yeah so that was like a re it was like oh gosh yeah star wars gosh I, yeah i really do love this uh and that was a different thing but like going to like the 90s some of the lucas arts games like that i didn't play the lot of the x-wing games and again this is testament to maybe my leanings i guess i don't know joseph hold me i loved <laughs> TIE Fighter. i loved the tie fighter game and uh, on my, uh, I think it was my dad's PC back then. And this was after, for me, after high school, I'd come home from community college. Um, and then I got into radio working on that stuff. But I'd come home from, I remember one day I played like nine hours of TIE Fighter. And <laughs> there's a mission and the Emperor's involved and you may, I might have escort, but I wasn't playing Vader. I wasn't playing as his apprentice. I was playing as a pilot in the galaxy doing his thing. And that inspired that kind of stuff inspires the imagination of what did I see on screen videos, help video games, help you get into it. And, um, uh, you know, the, the big one, uh, the, the super Nintendo, uh, the Nintendo 64 one, um, 
with Dash Rendar and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, the Empire. What, you know, you and I joke often about, look, another video game and another way to take down a, a walker, you always say so well. Uh, but what did that do to me? That was the first time I felt like I was in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, and no, that, I remember that viscerally. Yeah, right? That you felt like, oh, this isn't a scroller. This isn't an Atari. <laughs> I feel like I'm in it. Yeah, that I had that NES uh, Star Wars where I think they're like not even shaped like humans. Like they had like the big goony heads. Like I didn't care. <laughs> it was Star Wars. Right. But Shadows of the Empire, that was a turning point. Yeah, that's a, I think a lot of great examples of, of uh, having our imagination fired uh, by video games. Like uh, sometimes when it is, you know, sometimes it's a great fun to play the main characters or to go to uh, the the part of the map that you know well. But I think sometimes one of the more fun things about the video games for me is when I can play uh, either a character like you're saying that that isn't defined of like you're just a pilot or you're just mm -hmm. a, a battle droid in in uh, you know Battlefront. You know when you know I'm a battle droid and I say to my turret, "Good luck, turret," and you you get that humanity and the tactical droids are saying cruel things to you about what a failure you are and you know and it makes me feel more for the battle droids and it makes me sort of like imagine that and explore what it is to be a battle droid and, and get me to the point of like eh, I'd, I'd be happy to hear more storytelling about the battle droids and and imagine mm -hmm. them as tragic victims of the clone war as much as the clones and that's a, a lot of that is happening because of getting to imagine from a, a video game and, and i'm with you on on battlefront you know, exploring other worlds, other parts of the world. One out of that whole video game, one of my favorite memories is coming across uh, propaganda posters for Palpatine because that's a tip of the iceberg thing that was is suggested by the story, but I didn't get to see it until now. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to live in it more. Sorry, I, I'm losing. I, I this idea. Uh, I want to go into this idea of what you just said something to do with the battle droids of how it sparks your imagination and pulls in you have sympathy a little bit for the battle droids right or you're in the world more and how that's the what i do love about star wars video games um it can make you appreciate something that maybe you don't appreciate uh, that's on screen pod racing who doesn't love that pod racing game yeah no i think that sequence is pretty well received in the movie whether you like phantom menace or not right uh, at least the duel of fates and the pod race like i i can, I can see that but you're pulled into it. I've talked, I've, I've talked often about, you know, I was in this weird spot with the prequels and then the second uh, Battlefront game, the original one in 05, uh, 06 range, and I'm on Mustafar and Padme's Ruminations is playing over Mustafar, creating this ominous kind of location and I'm a clone. And I just remember thinking to myself, oh, wait a minute. This feels like Star Wars and I think I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm supposed to tell all my friends I don't because, right, they suck. And that just gave, it really, it fires, it pulls you in, not, maybe not fires imagination, but pulls you in in a way that um, other things maybe don't get a chance to do. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes to that same idea of that, uh, of things flash by in a TV show, but particularly on the big screen, and, and they're often there, they're for fun or for flavor or because it's a narrative necessity of a character needs information and the character gets it from this person. But then it's, you know, it's the toys, it's the Lego, it's the video games that, you know, I, if somebody said, you know what, there's going to be an open world video game and you get to be Bo Sheck. I'd be like, right. yeah. And he's just, he's just a guy. I mean, he just served a little narrative function to go over there. Talk yeah. to this guy, you yeah. know? 
but that's the power of something specifically like Star Wars is that our imagination could be fired to ask more about every little detail. And, and we do sometimes make fun of that, you know, we, especially when once Disney really, you know, bought mm-hmm. Star Wars and was, you know, going forward, all the jokes of everything, a, a Star Wars mm-hmm. story, gonk droids, a Star Wars story. And like, we can make fun of it. It, it can be overkill. But at the same time, that's one of the huge powers of it is it introduces us to so many possibilities in the big picture narratives that make us want to go off to the corners and and find out more about them. It is not I don't want to say it's necessarily exclusive to Star Wars. Again, using the example I said of, uh, you know, G.I. Joe, you don't get a lot of generic figures. You know, you get the named characters, the heroes, the superstars. Uh, and I saw a joke, you know, uh, I think Alex Damon of Star Wars Explained lost some sort of bet with a friend and his friend had to, got to run his feed, his Twitter feed for a day and they switched over to Star Trek Explain. And there, there's a great joke about a red shirt. And who is this? We don't know because Star Trek knows when to stop. And that's funny. And I really like it. And I can poke fun of that stuff all day. I still, though, I am the one that like gonk a Star Wars story. Great. Hit me up. Let me know <laughs> this is what Star Wars does versus um, and, and to me, it's, it can work better. Uh, than other things. I, I'm not always a fan of taking uh, the side character and, and blowing it up because it got popular. Um, uh, I, I've used this example before. I apologize. But like I, I, uh, a pal of mine is, is the voice of Frank the Pug from Men in Black. And, and uh, that was such a cameo scene stealing kind of thing in the first one. And the second one that made him a star. And even my friend was like, I, I, I wished it worked. It didn't. And you can do that wrong. You know, you can do it right. You can do it wrong. And I, I, I don't think Star Wars... Some people would disagree. I understand, but I, I, you know, I don't think I. I, I think Star Wars generally gets it right because the galaxy is so big, and the stories and the themes are always so important, no matter how small the character that you can connect with them. And I want to explore Boshak. You know, I want to like uh, the story of someone who almost made it big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turned away from fate. I don't know. I, I, I have the sense of humor. I always want to be able to poke fun at Star Wars, and I do love poking fun at Star Wars because it's big enough to take it. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of, I kind of get grumpy, and I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I think sometimes you might too, of just like those jokes that get played over and over again or arguments I've gotten with some friends off air. Uh, it's just so creatively bankrupt to go back to Kenobi. What are you talking about? <laughs> You, we haven't even scratched the surface of what that character can can mean to the story, what we can learn from them. I want new things as well. High Republic, diving in. You and I t- talked about the Leslie Headland show that might go to a different pocket of the galaxy. I want that. I do want that. I also want hours of Kenobi ruminating over what went <laughs> I know that's just us or just me, but I, I think that goes. But I think this all goes to the toys. It all goes to the video games because we grew up asking ourselves those questions. What does this character do when the cameras aren't watching him? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I think for me, to your point of a sense of uh, humor about Star Wars, like, yeah, I love having a sense of humor uh, about a ton of things. You know, uh, I sometimes get grumpy about the stormtroopers are a bad shot because it's just, it's a joke that I have made and, and I've been watching other people make uh, for, you know, that joke is, you know, old enough to vote um, kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I still, I still like where it came from, you know, and I, I still, you know, the joke is old, but yeah, let's, let's poke fun at the fact that Luke and Leia do a lot of kissing before they fully, uh, confirm their, their sibling yeah. nature. Uh, I get it. Those things are always fun. Uh, but then there's also that part of like, you know, I did see, um, some people pushing back on Dr. Mandible in the, the latest Mando. And again, if you want to avoid, uh, 
Mandalorian spoilers, just fast forward, uh, you know, a minute and I'll keep this one short. Um, and for me, Dr. Mandible, a big ant, a part of Star Wars is like, you, you kind of can't get Star Wars by going, look, you idiots, you put an ant in because Star Wars is like, look, we put an ant in. <laughs> George Lucas is like, look, I put an ant in. George Lucas is like, he's evil. What's his name? Savage Opress. Like, Star Wars has a sense of fun and whimsy to it that I also like seeing embraced. And I like and I like running that down, too. And I think so many other Star Wars fans and creators, too, like running down of like, oh, did people not like the Ewoks? Did people not like Jar Jar? Did they think they were too silly? Did they think they were too cute? Well, let's dive in and let's find out more about them. Um, and that that's, I think, that spirit of fun and imagination and play. Uh, absolutely. And other people's imaginations uh, and love of, of characters and, and, and worlds and ships can kind of inspire your own. You and I have talked often about it. Jennifer Landa's love of Ewoks absolutely influenced our own kind of uh, repositioning of, of those furry little killers, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Those furry little killers. So great. I got one more question for you on this uh, more action figure uh, heavy side of the podcast. Uh, if you could tell a Star Wars story using only two to three action figures you actually had as a kid, uh, <laughs> who would you choose to tell a story with? So that actually had as a kid that okay. you you had to act, little Kenny Namslock actually had to own these. So at least I, a Gamorrean guard, I know you got. I got a Gamorrean guard, but I think uh, the Bespin security guard. I had uh, the uh, uh, I believe I had the the Asian gentleman with the the little wispy mustache. I, I had uh, I had that Bespin guard because you could buy different versions. Of yeah. It guard right so i'd have him i'd want him we need some good protection i had hoth luke and i loved the hoth luke figure and i lost it and i reacquired it in a game of chance no i uh <laughs> purchased one at a, at a convention uh so i have that um and i loved it so it would have to be luke runs off hoth a little too fast to change outfits um maybe he goes to save everybody in his, in his hoth gear an imagination uh moment for me as a kid like he didn't change. um <laughs> So that, and then what I actually had, oh, man, I, I had, I had a few, but I'm trying to think what pops out. I mean, I guess you could say Vader, if he's going to go confront Vader, if I'm going to redo the whole scene just with a Hoth outfit, I want to have a better answer than that, but that's probably what I'd go to. I also had the Death Star Gunner, which is one of the best figures I ever had. Oh, that is a damn cool figure. That was a power of the force figure. It was, it was later the in the run. Yep. It was the last one I had and I still might have it. It was one of the only two that, Figures that survived my great figure purge of 1986, uh, where I accidentally, well, just intentionally sold them at a garage sale for $2 to get a skateboard. Kids, don't do that. <laughs> um, though that did create an entire generation of hoarder-like collectors in our <laughs> in our age group. Um, but I had him and uh, the Adat Commander, which was supposed to be Veers, but they just called him Adat Commander. Uh, and I still have Adat Commander somewhere in storage, but I don't know if I have the Death Star Gunner. But I love that figure, too, so I might just toss him in there. Yeah, yeah, I I love that idea of you could tell a great story with Adak Commander and uh, and Hoth Luke, right? Uh, yeah. They would encounter one another and have have some words possibly, a little confrontation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were talking about not being able to get enough uh, Kenobi, uh, and uh, that's me. I think there's a lot I could tell, but I think I would love to have my old Ben Kenobi, which I I did have with the vinyl cape and everything, and 
And like I said, I liked him. I was fascinated by him, but I didn't, you know, super relate to him because he was the mentor and I was a little kid. And, you know, I wasn't I think I wasn't always sure what stories to tell with him. I had I certainly had him like whisper things to Luke and I had him fight Vader because I, I knew he did those two things. <laughs> fight Vader, whisper to Luke. That's his uh, that's his bullet pointed agenda for the day. Old Ben Kenobi. But now knowing that that Kenner action figure I had back in the day is, you know, kind of no a little older but kind of standing in for this disney plus show that we might see right. uh, i would take my old ben kenobi and my boss which i really like i, I don't have all my figures but i have boss here uh it, next to next to me as i'm recording and i i we talked about this for a, a possibility for the kenobi show i would love the idea that kenobi's trying to keep his head down but he's got to go into most Eisley, and he runs into some bounty hunter who's like hey wait <laughs> you're that asshole you're that jedi I would love that. It's just a mini adventure that has nothing to do with anything of like uh, Ben's just got to he's got to take care of a bounty hunter because they recognized him. And I would love to have that as a little action figure story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Bosk <laughs> versus old Ben. Look, in it, look for it soon in my imagination. Uh, that sounds like one of those comic two packs where you get a little comic book in the background. Oh, into Kenobi at the bar. <laughs> Awkward encounter at the cantina. <laughs> buy this now uh so we talked a lot about action figures we're going to talk uh on the second half of the podcast a little bit about just kind of daydreaming in general so we will be right back to do some star wars daydreaming Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to keep talking Imagining Star Wars. We talked a lot about action figures there, Ken, but let's talk about just general daydreaming. I, I want to start here. You have uh, said on the podcast before that you uh, imagined your own version of Star Wars Episode Seven long before it was announced. Uh, it sounds like as you were growing up, uh, maybe kid, <laughs> maybe young adult, when and where did you do that? Like, how old were you? And like, when you were imagining it, physically, where were you? What were you doing that your mind drifted to the imaginary episode seven? It was uh, sleeping. Um, So it wasn't, I have, I have, I mean, key memory. I mean, I would go to bed dreaming about this. So I I mentioned and have mentioned before, I grew up in a place called Pismo Beach, California, technically Royal Grande, five cities of central coast of California, about two and a half hours north of LA, three, three south of San Francisco, right on the beach. Cold beach too. You don't, you don't go to this beach without a hoodie. Most times um, <laughs> you go to uh, the sand dunes and, and uh, there's one side that uh, I, maybe they finally stopped us. I don't think so, but you can go drive on the sand dunes, dune buggies, ATVs. We didn't go to that side. We went to the other side where it was safer and you can play around. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of fun diving and jumping off of sand dunes, uh, rolling down with my dad playing, you know, how, who can jump the farthest, but then occasionally we bring those figures. So as I got a little older and it wasn't just, uh, we're talking like 10, 11 range. And now I'm like, Oh, you know what? I, I want to be a George Lucas. How do I do George Lucas job? Uh, how do I do that? Dreaming, dreaming up of stories. I would go to bed and just think. And, and so I would have, I have memories of thinking of being on the sand dunes in my hometown and shooting the movie. Like maybe I can <laughs> shoot the movie with a VHS camcorder um, of me, Han and Leia blasters drawn, looking at Jabba's palace. And I was their son. Cause of course, why not? Uh, 
And I did have kind of the same colorings, uh, dark hair, uh, you know, there you go, the brown hair. So naturally, I'm their kid. Um, but I didn't turn to the dark side. No, we had some mission and we had to get into Jabba's palace. Maybe whoever took uh, Jabba's place was causing problems for the, the rebellion. Uh, you know, and uh, there you go. Not dreaming about being a Jedi, not dreaming of that. Just like we we had blasters and we got to get in. And that's where my episode seven began. Uh, some of the other details I don't remember over, over the course of years. Partly because from there I started transitioning into creating my own stories that never saw the light of day because you're 11. Um, um, that were just original science fiction, the Star Wars Robotech copies, you know. Um, but I have, that's kind of where my episode seven began. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. Uh, so it really was like a, you're, you're it, it was coming to you in times of play then. Yes. And, yeah. and just times where you, you, you know, uh, are a- having active playtime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, came out of that, and just kind of, you know, the pieces uh, are on the on the chessboard, and where you're going to move them, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. Yeah, I I did a lot of imagining of Luke. Uh, like I think I've told you before, like on car rides, uh, I would imagine Luke keeping up with the car by doing flips and running on the electrical wires and things like that. And uh, you know, uh, if if I had a hoodie, I would get to imagine to be a uh, Luke Skywalker by throwing the hoodie up and throwing the hoodie down. Um, yeah. I remember having, uh, wanting Luke to have those future adventures, but being a little unsure of like what they would be after he won. So that was a thing that I would wrestle with a lot of like, well, what would he do next? Uh, right. and one of the things that I came up with is, uh, you know, my brother's, as I said, is three years older. So he was, he was phasing out of action figures and I kind of, mm-hmm. I still wanted to play, so I would kind of make up some stories. But there is one point at which I was like, I want to play with my action figures, but my brothers want to play with me. Uh, he wants to play video games. What if Luke Skywalker got trapped in Super Mario? <laughs> <laughs> and I spent a while imagining that that was Luke uh, as Mario. Very different appearance. He didn't have his lightsaber, but he could still jump real high. <laughs> We just need Disney to buy Nintendo, and this is the problem. <laughs> yeah, make it happen, make it happen. Yeah, so I think it's it's interesting to think about when and where, as kids, mm-hmm. we continued to uh, imagine. Uh, have you ever had a time going maybe into more uh, uh, being an adult where you actively made the choice? I'm gonna think about Star Wars now uh, because I'm doing something boring, or because I'm doing something unpleasant, or. Uh, any kind of thing like that where you just made the active choice of like, I would rather be thinking about Star Wars now. Uh, all right. I'm going to try to Kenny's story time going to be shorter. I, I, I had a, a thought, a, a, a pre-thought answer to this, and I was going to go a little bit, um, you know, spiritual here of, uh, yes, there's been days even recently, you know, it's like uh, you, you're locked away, you're locked down, pandemic, and the world's topsy-turvy, and just you're feeding off any everyone and, and anyone's energies. And it's like, I, I want to, I just want to watch Attack of the Clones or I just want to watch Phantom Menace or I think you and I are, I don't, you and I haven't really talked about this, but I, I'm finding a lot of comfort in Rise of Skywalker, uh, mm-hmm. having it on and just having it there in the background. It's one of those movies I can just kind of do it. Uh, it's been a, it's been a bit since I've watched Solo, so that might be correct. So I was going to answer that and that's a, that's a good answer, but you talked about uh, being bored. So yeah, it just made me think um, I, uh, I hate meetings. <laughs> I hate meetings, whether it was at Collider. Uh, I would be infamously, probably problematically grumpy about having to attend a meeting. Um, and as a security director, you know, and, and I know a lot of people don't 
fully understand that industry and, and it's ripe for jokes, but as a security director in the community where that's a, a big center, a lot of uh, community leaders uh, uh, include uh, the property management and, and security in their bigger plans. So I, I have been in, this, this is not like a, this is not like a, this is a weird humble brag if it's a humble brag, but I've been in meetings with uh, the mayors. Uh, Via Ragosa used to know me. Uh, uh, chief uh, William Bratton, uh, LAPD former police chief. I, I knew him. I'd be in meetings. I would get so bored, Joseph, that my papers would have little TIE fighters and Death Stars and Adat Walkers on them. <laughs> I would doodle in the margins as, as uh, you know, I, I've been part of plantings of anti-terrorism training, uh, multi-agency training things, I, large level things. I mean, again, I've sat with John Miller, the last ABC broadcaster or, or news person who interviewed bin Laden, like all these kind of things. But you could, I could find stacks and stacks of these notepads with just little X-wings <laughs> and little TIE fighters chasing them and then vice versa. So that makes me laugh because that just shows me. And this is not this is like 2007 where I'm not on a podcast. Right. Where I don't even dream of what's a podcast. I'm not even, this is just, it's there. It's in me. My mind drifts away to the joys of my youth. Yeah, yeah. that's so great. Your mind goes to the stars. And, you know, you're still doing a kind of security because you're, you're drawing the X-Wings now. So you're, you're definitely thinking about yeah. how, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how can I uh, provide some good security? Looking at the new Republic now and what they need to do to patrol the galaxy. Yeah, absolutely. Peacekeepers. That's so great. Yeah. I, I think I uh, this came to mind to discuss because I think it's a place where you can actively choose to let your old pal Star Wars help you out. And a couple of times, um, I think I've may have mentioned this before. I did some temping for a while. This would have been late 90s. And I had this incredibly weird temp job, which was literally shrink wrapping knives. So I think the company was like Vushtoff Trident, like nice steak knives that came in a wooden block. So it was an assembly line job, and the job was like pick up the knives. They had a paper sheath on them, pull them out of the paper sheath, put them in the wood block, and then run them through the shrink wrapping machine and, you know, catch the entire wooden block before it falls, hoping that the shrink wrap actually worked and one of the knives won't come flying out at you. So, and then I'll do all that fast. Um, yeah. So, of course, and it's temps. It's not even like, you know, people are like, yeah, no, I'm a knife professional. I've done this my whole life. It's just like a uh, random college kid want you know, incredibly low amount of money, come play with knives. Uh, and so there was also this game where like, of course there was a first aid station, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. but it was so obvious that of course you're going to cut yourself with a knife. It, it was so embarrassing to have cut yourself, even though mm -hmm. everybody did it, that you would try to wait until everybody else went to lunch to sneak to the first aid station to get your Band-Aid after ah. you inevitably cut yourself. So... Yeah. Very weird, very funny job. But then part of it was monotonous. And I just was like, I, I was so into the um, new power of the force. And I got through that job uh, by guessing what the next cinema scene set would be. The set of three characters. Right. You know, and, and it, it, I look back now, I, it was a technique to avoid boredom and slicing my fingers open accidentally. Um, but it, now it's a fond memory of like and patting myself on the back of like oh wow they you know they did do the jedi spirits that is a great cinema scene three pack you know yeah. um so there's that time and then uh when i worked at uh kinkos which was my job out of college where you know i was really like okay i'm stepping into the world and then this is this was in uh, downtown minneapolis uh at the time which is it was a very intense job and again that like you said with security it's a job that you can make fun of of some copies 
And yeah. some kinkos were a little bit slower or whatever, you know, a, a nice grandma comes in or a grandpa and wants a picture of their kids and great, you help them. Um, but this was in high stakes business lot uh, because we're in downtown Minneapolis, lots of, uh, lots of money at stake and, and very, very intense. Yeah. Um, and, and really right at the cusp of analog digital taking everything over. So we just had a couple of, we had two computer experts. And at that point, people were mostly bringing in like, here's this huge complex binder and I need uh, 10,000 copies of it for a lot of money and you, they need to be done by this time. Right. But then sometimes people would come in with, you know, this file that was entirely messed up and the computer people would have to do it. And we had one computer guy who followed the absolute letter of the law and always knew why he couldn't do something. And my manager at that time, his, his actual, in, in meetings, he would just say, hungry, hungry hippo. That was his philosophy of like, take all jobs. We are hungry, hungry hippo. We take all jobs. We're going to make a bunch of money. It's going to be great. Um, right. And I kind of knew he was a Star Wars fan, uh, but he was also like really intense and, and kind of gruff. And there was one time where, you know, a job came in, it, but it needed the computer expert to fix the file and send it over. And he had all his reasons why he couldn't do it. And I mumbled almost to myself, always with him, it cannot be done. <laughs> and my manager heard it and he was like, yes, yes. And like from that, this entire philosophy of if you were really thorough and really competent and rise to the challenge and mastered every you know physical machine at Kinko's, my manager would say you were a Jedi mm -hmm. <laughs> and it became this whole thing for the time I worked there. And like, even once that manager left, it was still around. And, you know, I, my manager wanted me to like, at one point, write up some like bullet points of, you know, what, what we were trying to do at this Kinko's. And I hand drew a, you know, person wearing a dumb Kinko's apron with a lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like, he, at one point he's like, almost everybody on second shift is a Jedi now. That's great. A good school, a temple, a temple. A, a, yeah, a, a Jedi copy temple. Yeah. And so it's like something that is kind of weird and frustrating and dumb as Kinko's. It just, it took on this like, uh, this lore and this myth, uh, you know, and this inspiration by tying it to Star Wars. I love that. First of all, yeah, I can only imagine at a, uh, a Kinko's where a young executive runs in and his pr presentation depends on your skills. <laughs> Oh. Probably some intense feelings, and it's good to approach it with a Jedi uh, heart. Yeah, no, I mean, th there was a time that I was working a little bit later, like close to, uh, you know, it was second shift. So I think it was like around, it's going to be like eight o'clock. And this guy came in, and, you know, you, you never kind of knew if they were exaggerating, if they were maybe, you know, honestly not well. <laughs> right. you know, uh, and, this guy came in with this huge binder of like 11 by 17 folded architectural drawings. And he's like, I need, you know, 30 copies of this in the next 15 minutes, or there will not be a light rail in Minneapolis. I'm going to the final meeting. Then <laughs> uh, there's a light rail in Minneapolis now. I mean, not, not to brag or anything. But, uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I don't know if that was true or not, but it, but in that moment he, it was true to him. Uh, and it was, that was, I needed to be a Jedi that day. You needed to, uh, be Qui-Gon, uh, in, in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Uh, that's great. And so it's really cool to, to think about all the different ways. And I'm sure, you know, this is just you and I two Star Wars fans. I'm sure there's, there's just gotta be millions of stories like this of how people incorporated Star Wars to make something that was, uh, 
boring or scary or challenging, uh, more romantic and fun. And that's really awesome. But we're doing this podcast now. So we're, we're making a conscious choice to think about and talk about Star Wars a lot. And when we watch Star Wars, we, we think about, well, what do I want to say? And what do I think there are the I, ideas there? Um, when do you, when does your mind still just drift to Star Wars? Not like you and I have agreed that we're going to talk about fear in Star Wars. So you're actively thinking, what do I want to say on the podcast? When do you still just as a fan drift off and think about it? This is, oh God, this is so weird. So uh, I have a, I have a home gym here and I, I just, I get a lot of peace and relaxation from lifting weights. I also get a, a lot of peace and relaxation from eating sugar. So they're <laughs> battle of my body, but um, oddly enough, sometimes I'll, you know, I try to stay, I try to stay off Twitter, meaning like I just, I just, I, for my own kind of mental health, I've backed away just engaging even on silly jokes. I just, I just want to put my creative energies elsewhere. Right. That's a, you know, I've been talked about it here per, where I'm at personally, but I'll see something. And sometimes if something gets me a little upset and I see someone tweet something, I, I will be in my gym mumbling to myself a long 22 minute monologue of defense of, <laughs> uh, or, or against what they're saying. And I need to do it there because then I need to, because I don't want to do it here. Occasionally you and I get uh, grumpy and we, we apologize when we do or try to, uh, we want all opinions to, to be heard, but, but you know, just those times we're just like that, that, that's not what the movie said. That's not how the rise of Skywalker works. The, the <laughs> kind of quote on. And, and so that's where my mind drifts to it. And there's other times and, you know, I just think about it, but I'll even make little notes like, no, I think, I think George meant this and this goes into that, you know, and that comes out of, that does come directly out of working on this podcast uh, with, with you. And we, we talked about in the five years episode of you coming in and saying, Hey, let, let's talk about themes versus, uh, Hey, do you like that scene? Um, you know, and that's forced me and, and not forced, but caused me to, to really dig around the corners of what I'm watching. And therefore, and I'm not always right, but just kind of like, here's what I think. And so that's where I'm, my mind, I find my mind drifting to it the most. And it's healthy in a way because I'd rather do that alone in my garage gym <laughs> than <laughs> yelling at anybody. Cause I don't think that solves anything. Um, and so that's where, even outside of you and I talking about Star Wars or, hey, for the next week, we're going to do these episodes of Force Center. Me by myself, that's where my mind drifts to it. Yeah, I think that's that really makes a lot of sense. And I think I feel uh, a similar way. Uh, my living room is my home gym, so uh, <laughs> and I don't visit it as often as I should. Uh, but I think it does come to me in moments where I think I'm so hyper engaged right now. Um, with social media and then you know i'm often i'm looking at social media and i'm jotting down some notes for a, a script i'm working on and i'm also trying to publicize a different podcast at the same time and then suddenly like you know it, it's a real multitasking world mm -hmm. so i think star wars comes to me when th th when it's physically difficult to multitask so like mm -hmm. when i take a shower or i often say you know i, I thought of this when i was brushing my teeth um and I, I think sometimes that's a weird turn of phrase, but mm. I just mean it literally because it's just like I'm getting ready for bed. I've put the phone away for the night. You know, I, I can't talk to anybody else because I literally have a toothbrush in my mouth. <laughs> and when I can't, you know, uh, get distracted by multitasking, that's when my mind will float to, to something. Um, and sometimes it's exactly what you're saying. Sometimes it seems uh, it's something I've seen that I really passionately disagree with as a fan and I I don't want to lash out in anger on Twitter, 
So mm-hmm. I'll be thinking about like, how would I say that? How would I really express what I mean uh, and get that through? And sometimes that ends up on is something I want to talk about on, on the podcast because, mm-hmm. you know, I did a dry run uh, while brushing my teeth or taking a shower and then yeah. I want to share it on the on the podcast. But it's also also sometimes it will just be like, uh, honestly, inspiration from social media where somebody will post something about a question or a joke that isn't, you know, kind of uh, cynical. That mm-hmm. is, you know, you know, where did the emperor, you know, uh, why did the emperor pick those robes? Why didn't he ever dress nicer? You know, and yeah. be something that's not even directed at us as a Star Wars question. And then I'll have my, I'll just find myself drifting. And it's it's really fun to think about the whys and the hows and what connects and all those little details. And and, uh, you know, as a writer, um, my mind does just drift to Star Wars stories I'd like to tell. There was a time that uh, I walked to uh, Musso and Frank, great old Hollywood bar, and I was going to sit at the bar and uh, and work on uh, a totally different thing that I was pitching. But I just, uh, on the walk, I just got thinking about Star Wars and the kind of story that we haven't seen yet that I wanted to see. And mm-hmm. I, I ended up using that whole time that I'd set aside to, to work on something that I actively needed to do and write down a bunch of notes of this Star Wars story that I would love to tell someday, you know? Um, yeah. So I think it's it's very different from when I was a kid, but it's still Star Wars still is that leaping off point. Sometimes it's to engage with the community to discuss. Here's my take on this thing, but other times it's just always in that. This is just the the other parts of the world I want to see, or this other idea I want to see uh, flying around in the stars of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of getting lost in uh, who you are as a fan and what you want and, and where the inspirations are. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. I, and also, you mentioned going to a bar. I think you and I, you and I have joked before. You know, we 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 essentially met in a bar, but uh, <laughs> um, you and I not only enjoy it. I think we're both. I think we're both really good at being in bars. Party, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know your way around it in, in, a, in a in a way, and I just have a lot of fun holding court when I can. Uh, and um, that's that's Star Wars. That's why you and I just joke about the Star Wars bars. Uh, you know, for me, actually, as a as a youngster, even in my early twenties, kind of being afraid of going into bars because, well, that's where Luke went and got jumped. Uh, I don't I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, Outlander Club or Obi Wan uh, having a drink. I just that stuff uh, I connect to. If, if if it's an unfamiliar bar, um, I kind of get an image of walking into Chalman's Cantina. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah, that's another great way that uh, that we just sort of take uh, Star Wars with us in our imagination of like, which, which bar we were walking in. Are we walking in as somebody who's uh, greeted warmly uh, like uh, Obi-Wan by Dexter or, or is it a, you know, real side eye from Wu hair? <laughs> yeah. What kind of place are you walking into? Um, so in, in terms of the, the kind of Star Wars storytelling that we might want to see still in Star Wars, where our imaginations are kind of, uh, yearning for something. You, you know, we talk about the tip of the iceberg storytelling. Are, are there icebergs, uh, either ideas or planets or people that you are always like, God, I really want to see the rest of that idea? For me, it is going to this weird spot of documentary style. I, I talk about histories and and I love watching Star Wars with motions first. I, I always have. And now it's just been, uh, you know, a finer point has been put on it of, of the themes and what's there for me. Though, But I've always loved the details. And I do love a map. I mean, the fact that I am, uh, like a lot of us, 
give me a map of the galaxy or give me a, you know, a cross section of Jabba's palace. Like, oh, that's where the uh, extra droid parts are. I, I, I just love those little details. I love um, a lot of the, Daniel Wallace, who, who's the writer of the lightsaber collection book, uh, is, is great at taking stuff that we already know and kind of retelling you like, oh, here's the Battle of Ryloth, but here's some details on it. And I just love getting lost in that kind of stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood book, uh, volume one, hopefully volume two. At some point, George, finish your books. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people don't like it, but it is a history book about the Targaryens. Uh, I liked history in school. Maybe that's why I like it. And it's such a lived in wonderful world, but it's got stress and tension and joys and victories and tragedies and all this. And I just love it. And I, I always go with that in star Wars. It, it wouldn't be a movie. Um, but the pod race, uh, and going into it, approaching it, like, uh, you know, a, a documentary series, uh, the, uh, you know, are we ever going to get a job story? I don't know if we will, but reading a, a book on the history of the huts, I, I, I might be up for it. And I talk often about Logre and, and Chirpa, but knowing the history and the culture of, of Bright Tree Village and how, where, when Chirpa came to power, what threats, how did he come to power? Is it, is it Game of Thrones-like or is it just kind of uh, something different? And his daughter and Princess Niece and all those things in canon, I, I, I'm interested in that where maybe it doesn't have, have to do with the big picture, um, but it just kind of makes the galaxy even more lived in for me. I, lately, over the last two years, I've been drawing, being, being drawn to those type of stories. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I mean, those are some great specifics of like, let's dig into Ewok culture. What What is the whole culture of the pod race? We, we've got tip of the iceberg stuff from Return of the Jedi and uh, from, you know, various books, canon and, and expanded universe and Clone Wars for, you know, the Hut crime family. But exactly how does that work? And the history. Yeah, I, I love all the topics you're picking, but I really love what you're saying about history and documentary because I feel like in the real world, uh, you know, you can get documentaries about World War II, but even though then they'll be like, okay, now, oh boy, now let's just do submarines. Jeez, here we go, because that's a big subject all by itself. Uh, and I feel like what documentaries do is they go through history, which is all interconnected, and uh, and they pull out these details and really not only put them in context with the rest of history, but tell their own story. And I think that's what I'm getting attracted to. And I think that's why, you know, I really like um, the the first episode of this season of Mandalorian because it's, it's diving into uh, the culture a little bit. Um, and, and I think that's what I really appreciate about documentaries. My wife and I have been trying to have Documentary Sunday because she is uh, uh, a history major. She's often worked at historical mansions. So, uh, I worked for the Historical Society when we first met, so history is a thing that that binds uh, our relationship. So we really like watching documentaries. We watched a documentary that was about an uh, an American woman who married into British uh, royalty, uh, and the documentary was just her going from castle to castle. I think it was like just a couple of years ago, and talking to the people who still like lived in old British castles and stately homes and asking them like how long did your family live here what historical things happened here uh do you have to have tours in order to actually maintain this place how do you deal with it when you know you just want to read a book but uh there's a school field trip coming through your living room 
Yeah. And it it took something that like we all know like yo yeah there's castles and old mansions in 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 England yeah oh yeah we know there's still royalty people are still the Duke of something and oh the, there's the Downton Abbey house it took just that yeah. and it said what's the reality of that what's the truth of that and like a thing that came out was you know there after World War II there was a really large estate tax and it this is huge challenge that people had to like. I got past this castle by my family. The castle is a part of the community and, and I need to keep it alive. But I struggled financially and, and nobody ever really understood it. Like, oh, boo-hoo, you, you own a castle, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it, it just, I would love to hear those kind of details about the huts, you know? Mm. Yeah, right. No, and I know, I know Guillermo del Toro has uh, publicly said he was interested in telling that kind of story. And... um and pitched it to Lucasfilm or whatever. And so it's something that's there, but it's just because not, it's not just that it's Jabba to me um, and we could lead to that, but it would just be fun to get that story. Uh, like you said, just the little, the characters that could emerge and why is the Boonta Eve classic, you know, so important. Uh, and you can, you can read a little bit of that on Wikipedia and you get some great information from folks like Alex and Molly who put it together um, but actually there's a way that's why th- these documentaries are so popular and move you. And, and, uh, I just uh, finished the four part challenger doc, uh, which JJ Abrams, I think is executive producer on Netflix. And you know, I'm balling cause it's something that I'm experienced as, as a child watching, you know, um, I, I, I just think star Wars, the galaxy is so big that we could be moved, uh, and inspired by those type of stories as well. But that's just me. Yeah, no, I I think uh, I'm I'm sure there are other people who are like a documentary about the huts. Not for me, thank you. But I don't think you're alone at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah for myself, I think uh, I'm so fascinated by the day to day life of Jedi, and I think uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people of like, oh, please no. But they're just seeing that little spark of what is implied. This total tip of the iceberg. What is implied by Obi Wan having this buddy Dexter who runs this diner and like. Does mm-hmm. Obi-Wan eat there every day? Did they go on an adventure together where, where they uh, formed this bond? Uh, it, it, was he an old contact of Qui-Gon that, that he, is, is this a, you know, a legacy continuing? Uh, yeah. And just like, uh, I think I'm also just fascinated with like, Jedi's want, a Jedi wants peace. So what is a fulfilling day for them when they don't ever ignite their lightsaber? There's nothing close to adventure, but they still had a great day. Like, you know, yes. I don't think that would be like, the movie I want to see on the silver screen, but what a great book or, or comic or just day in the life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's a tip of the iceberg thing. I'd like to, to see. I want to know more about Laura Santec and the church of the force. Um, uh-huh. I would love to know more about Camino because we only sort of intersect with it in how it affects the big galactic battle, but they're cloners, right. And they're, they got to be doing some business for some other people. And yep. You know, Dexter Jetster knows some stuff about, it. I guess everything is about Dexter Jetster for me. That's, same here, same here. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. I just want to know more about Dexter Jetster. Um, so lots of lots of icebergs to explore. Do you think, uh, for you, Ken, has daydreaming about Star Wars helped you be creative outside of Star Wars, uh, either in just a creative way that you approach a problem or in creating other stories or other comedy? Yeah, um, my... When it comes to like scripts or anything, I, I go a little bit of a different way. So that's always been a weird relationship, but I've always wanted in my 
you know, I've got a lot of unfinished scripts or ideas, or in some cases, unfortunately, finished scripts uh, of my own kind of big uh, worlds and adventures. And uh, maybe one day I'll get them out, but it's in the end learned that that's not necessarily my strength as, as a writer. It's in other areas, which is part of the Star Wars story, finding your path. Um, but it, it, it starts, it all goes back to the beginning. It goes back to me going, um, someone made this. And he's a guy in flannel, uh, VHS documentary, to, you know, takes me, you know, from Star Wars to Jedi, takes you back um, and takes takes you back behind the scenes. And I, I distinctly remember the moments that I was just a collection of them, but just being like that guy, Phil Tippett is his name. And he he did this. And this guy. I, I think I've talked before, but just learning that the speeder bike sequence, clearly something I love. I love biker scouts. I love, I collect speeder bike toys um, to know that it was made uh, with cardboard tubes as trees, you know, like the, you know, and I, I, I didn't realize, you know, what, what they were talking about is kind of the pre-visualization of the sequence, but just being like, wow, they, they did that. They created it. That started my journey even though it's taken me in different directions and, and, you know, I eventually kids in the hall and Saturday Night Live and Monty Python become a big focus. And that's, you know, not necessarily Star Wars related. Uh, um, you know, we need a Star Wars sitcom is what it may be, what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Dexter show we need. So anyways, it started my journey. It started me. It's the first time, you know, that it was like, I loved that thing. Someone made it. Could I do that too? Oh, that's great. That is just like the essential firing of the imagination of it. It is uh, possible uh, to to give life to an idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. I, I think for myself, like there was I've talked about before, once I started doing comedy, there was like, how much can I, you know, do Star Wars sketches? How can I bring that in so I can honestly just play so I can, you know, get to pretend to be Luke and pretend to be Obi-Wan and I can just kind of be in that world and, and play. But I think there wasn't as much focus of, of that was like sort of how can I, I'm already doing comedy. How can I bring Star Wars into comedy? And I think, uh, you know, as I became more of a writer, whereas creating my own worlds, uh, the, there's been a lot of inspiration for me to think about, well, what speaks to me in Star Wars? And yeah, sure. It'd be great to, to, to create a Star Wars story, but also like, I can also just drill down into not like I will, uh, I'll going to do a story about the Jedi, but I, I will call them, you know, the Beto, <laughs> like <laughs> not that, but just like if this specific idea keeps sparking to you in star Wars, maybe that's a starting point for a story that you want to tell. And that's been really great in, in recent years to have those ideas that like, Oh, that, that idea is there in star Wars, but they only kind of pick it up and examine it from this angle and boy, would I love to examine that idea because that idea speaks to me. And, you know, what world could be built up around that idea? Uh, that is a, a way that Star Wars really sparks my creativity. And I think uh, in relatively recent years, um, really having it uh, driven home, the little fun fact of like Lucas just wanted to make Flash Gordon, but the rights weren't available. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he changed, <laughs> you know, uh, all of entertainment and in a great deal of pop culture and yeah. merchandising because he went, uh, you know, like maybe it would have been successful if he made a cool updated, you know, flash Gordon, uh, but the rights weren't available and he didn't. And the, we have the flash Gordon that we have yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the empire of star Wars. So that's always just, and that's something I've, I've shared with other people who are, 
who are actively trying to be writers or are feeling frustrated with their writing of just like, you've said it so many times on this podcast, just go back to what you love and ask yourself why you loved it and then make it your own because you're you, you know, which is, I think, you know, Star Wars is what happens when, when Lucas makes Flash Gordon his own. Yep. And that's just really inspiring. Yeah. Go create, go be inspired and go and go create. It's, 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 it's powerful. If you feel that urge, man, and Star Wars inspires so many people in that way. And it also inspires people into uh, going into science, uh, working for NASA, going to the moon, all those kind of ways too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more questions as we wrap up talking about uh, imagining Star Wars. What do you think bringing your own sense of uh, fun or imagination or play, what does that bring to it when you watch Star Wars? I, I think it, it really allows me to fall into the world even deeper because I've already lived it. I've already, I've already walked around the streets of Jeddah in my mind 50 times, uh, which, by the way, we didn't even touch Galaxy's Edge, which is just a, a model. Oh, yeah imagination i mean we've done in other shows but i mean that's that's where it succeeds if for those who have uh not been fortunate enough uh, to experience it yet yet uh i hope and pray you all will get to experience it is everything it's cracked up to be simply because every corner feels like you're there um and it, it goes to the beginning but yeah i i think um it, you know it, even um you know mandalorian is uh, last season chapter five walking around going to tatooine uh, it wasn't just like cool Tatooine. It was like, oh wait, a droid's, uh, you know, the droid. Uh, it was EV ninety nine at the bar, um, uh, and and things have changed. And now it allows me just to kind of stop and and dream about what's going on there outside when the camera's not on it. And and I just, it, it, you know, so it's cyclical. You know, it's like Star Wars inspires me to think about that when I see the toys, and the toys inspire me to w- watch something new. And it, 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 it's poetry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that makes sense. Like that. That's. Uh, that's where that's where I think it gets me now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I think watching Star Wars through different lenses is something I definitely do. I, I think I do sometimes watch it with a little bit more like uh, attention to like the big uh, themes of of war and when to act and when mm-hmm. not to act, and you know what is family, what is the burden of the past versus the gift of the past. And I can watch it through the the lens of the big ideas, uh, but I also really want to watch it through the the lens of fun and joy and for myself have fun going wow i want to know more about that character or 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 just getting excited for the community because you know we all gravitate towards certain characters you know i, I got really attached to lulilo primark before i even saw him uh, you know jennifer was all about bistan uh we, we all have those characters as fans that we get excited about and kind of want to know more about so there's enjoying seeing you know, the weirdos of Star Wars, the fun of Star Wars and the you know, how how is that person a singer? How is that person a freedom fighter? All those kind of questions. And then also just, you know, there's a there's a joy to the first time you watch something and it and you haven't whatever weird thing you're seeing hasn't actually made it out, you know, in, in publicity yet. And there's a there's a joy for me sometimes of going I think everybody's going to love that weird thing. Or I think everybody's going to have a lot of really hot takes <laughs> on that weird thing. And there's a sort of joy of uh, almost like seeing the, the big bang of a joke, right? You just see that, you see it the first time and you go, ha, you know, if Admiral Akbar saying this is a trap can become this big of a thing, which mm-hmm. are the lines or what are the moments or what are the, which weirdo, weird beats are going to become a thing for generations to come. It, it's fun to watch it wondering what the community is going to make of it. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And see it sometimes that's a frightening prospect, but I, I love, uh, and then, and the flip side that I love when you then emerge and then people are inspired by those things and, uh, that that's its own kind of inspiration too. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess uh, the, the final thing for me about just, you know, sometimes I do try to really watch it with that fun and joy. Like you just said, I do. I'm totally guilty of sometimes something weird happens and I'm like, I love that. And then my immediate next emotion is, oh, I think other people are not going to like that. So uh, it can be a struggle to stay in the mode of watching something through the lens of of joy and imagination. And a thing that I think helps for me is, you know, when we're watching things, we can be critical and we can ask why. Why did that happen? Why should that be there? Who made that decision? Like, show me, uh, show me your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, your your long form math problem. Why did you make that choice? Or you can watch it with why not, with that spirit of, hey, let's try something weird and see if it works. Why not? Let's play and let's have fun. To me, like, why not is a question of fun and play, and why is a question of like critical examination. And, and I think they're both valid. But yeah. I think when I want to get myself into that spirit of fun and play and imagination, I just really try to remember why not. That's powerful, and 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 the why is the why is interesting. We we talk about that often here. That's what we dive into, and 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 sometimes that's the why goes into delicious behind the scenes stories. But uh, you and I often, and, and many uh, podcasters, there's a big Star Wars digital media kind of world out there. I think I always watch the first time I uh, try to give it, give this you know, the first times for myself. Yes. And I, I watch it. You talk about why not. And I, I, I build on that or build to the side of that of, uh, I always say, I watch this like a living history document and I always say, Oh, so that's what happened. <laughs> and then I go into it from there. And that's, that comes probably from a point of imagination is from as a kid. Oh, that's what happened. What happened? Yeah. That's that's really great. The the so that's so that's how that happened. I think uh, just a great response to any individual movie or television show or yeah. book. Yeah. So that's how that happened. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, my final question to wrap us up here, Ken. You kind of you touched on it earlier, but I think it is the, in some ways, for me, the ultimate uh, imagining Star Wars question is. Uh, lightsabers. I think uh, we've all imagined ourselves with lightsabers. Uh, I agree with your statement. We are all Star Wars kid. If you could have a real lightsaber in real life, what would you actually do with it? Look, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to. I don't even want to <laughs> cut anybody in two. All right, but it would be a great. And this is, I you know, this puts me in the way of the Sith. I understand, but it'd be a great, a great tool for life's little annoyances. And I try to be a, a you know, try to be. A, welcoming and, and nice to all of those out there. Everyone's got a story. You don't know what struggle that person in front of you in at the grocery store is going through. I, I totally agree with that sentiment that, uh, what is it? Uh, David Wallace, Foster Wallace's speech or whatever that went out years ago. I'm, I'm there. You never know who's in front of you and what they're struggling with, but sometimes they annoy me. Uh, <laughs> and wouldn't it be nice just to pull up a lightsaber, ignite it, and get your point across. <laughs> uh, so you kind of, you want to use your lightsaber as a, you know, a talking stick of I'm talking now. It is very much an intimidation. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying this is right, friends. I'm not saying this is the right way to do it. Uh, you know, someone cuts you off on the road. You know, I don't want to honk, chase them down, get into a road rage incident, but I'll drive up next to them and just, and then they'd be, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, there was I was at the zoo. It's 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 a tough lockdown pandemic. We're all just trying to get a little slice of normalcy, and someone just cut in front of us in the food line, way too close, uh, almost brushing past us. I, I don't want to yell at her. She's probably hungry. He wants to feed her grandkids, but I do want to go and just have her realize, you know, maybe you should go behind. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And I think uh, if one puts that through uh, uh, the filter of the dark side, that that could say like, <laughs> I'm threatening to cut your head off. That, yeah, uh, but I'm sorry. What I said? It's not. It's not good. I'm not saying I'm good. No, no, I'm no, I'm I'm actually I'm being talked around to what you're saying because <laughs> I think there is the uh, opposite view where it could be seen as de-escalation. Right? It's it's defense. Right? It's sure. saying there's a problem. Like, cause I was thinking about it, you know, okay, what well, trying to be real honest, like when would I actually use it? Cause we can imagine like a bank robbery, you know, how we all just happen across bank robberies happens all the time. And like, I got my lightsaber. Right. Um, so like how I, since I don't happen across random bank robberies, uh, how would I use it? Like every once in a while? Yeah. You do run into those, uh, conflicts. Uh, someone almost got violent with, uh, my wife and I, uh, at a, um, at a theater show and at a like uh, audience interactive uh, theater show at like a Tony and Tina's wedding type show <laughs> <laughs> it, it called we got a bingo. Uh, we almost had a fight at a place called we got a bingo um, just because they were, they were intoxicated and they were already angry, you know? Right. Right. In uh, like, that would have been a great time not to use it, but to just go, <laughs> no, please let's all calm down. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Defense. Defense at interactive theater shows. That's how I'd use a lightsaber. Uh, I need to hear that story off air at some point over a drink. Um, Yeah, again, I'm not saying I'm doing this the best, but uh, I don't want to use it. That's the point, Joseph. I don't want to use it. Yeah, nobody nobody wants to use the lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, uh, every once in a while, you know... I, I live on a you know relatively busy street and got our little uh, balcony and every once in a while there's like some screaming uh, and you know I think everybody on my block is really good at, at you see everybody pop out on their balcony uh, you know and, and if it looks like anything problem you know people will shout to one another like I called 911 you know and or sometimes it's like it sounds like a fight but it's just two drunk friends <laughs> sure yeah you know and that would be another place like just pop out on my balcony just like just like <laughs> I'm watching. Is there any problems? Are there any problems? I got my lightsaber. Uh, the other thing I would do, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, is it's just a fantasy. I'd love to cut the top of a bottle off, of like just a whiskey bottle. Just open it with a lightsaber. That would be so cool. You gotta think. You gotta think. Kenobi's done that. <laughs> you got just shear it right off. I have no time for twisting or you know uncorking. Just shunk. Goodbye, bottle. Goodbye, bottle. That's what the lightsaber says. Any final thoughts, uh, Ken, on this uh, big topic of uh, imagining Star Wars? I, I hope everyone enjoyed this journey. And, and uh, I always love kind of saying and, and thinking and, and hoping that, you know, Joseph and I are telling our, our individual stories from growing up from who we are and where we come from and our perspectives. But I think there's a little bit of a shared journey in everyone's journey as Star Wars fans. And that's what brings us all together. And I hope you all enjoyed it because it's been a lot of fun uh, just reminiscing back to I can I can see that palm tree that I used to climb upon and chase biker scouts on, or sometimes chase rebels on, you know, I could see it in my mind. I could feel it in my mind. And, um, uh, those feelings of being a Star Wars fan don't go away. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, this has been a great conversation. I agree with you. There's so many great stories out there of imagining Star Wars, whether it's through action figures or video games or being bored at work or however and wherever your mind goes to daydreaming about Star Wars and uh, being the characters or seeing the characters do something different or go somewhere new or all those d- different things. There's so many great stories. And I, Ken, you did such a great job of uh, of uh, really always bringing it back to this is about joy. This is about fun. This is, you know, about uh, kind of exploration of cool, different ideas. And I think that's something that we should always be sure to take time to celebrate about Star Wars. Gotta love it. If you don't, why are you here? <laughs> Gotta love it. If not, why are you here? Uh, maybe that's a bumper sticker. I don't know if that's a T-shirt, but maybe, maybe that's a good bumper sticker. <laughs> Uh, do you want to tell people where they can find us? I'd love to. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and on Facebook. Like us there at Force Center Podcast. Podcast available on a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Uh, it's not a T-shirt yet, but you can go to uh, get merch at tpublic.com/user/slash/forcecenter. Our, our uh, speculate responsibly shirt is probably our number one seller because we uh, want you to speculate because that's part of fun. But do it responsibly so you can get even more joy out of loving Star Wars. Patreon.com/slash/forcecenter is where you can support us, and from there you can get access any tier to our Discord community, a great community of Star Wars fans discussing all this and more. You can go to kennapsock.com. And uh, follow me at Ken Napsuck to get updates on all my other projects and adventures. Joseph. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, to get links to my other podcast, Obsessed, uh, to comedy albums, including one about Star Wars and all sorts of different adventures. Again, that's josephscrimshaw.com. For now, it is time for me to go do some work and imagine some Star Wars. So for myself, for Ken, for Greedo, who was just winged, this has been Force Center. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.